Ciao, amici. My name's Josh Lindley, and this is the third episode in this audio documentary about the Blackbird. If you've never heard of the Blackbird, you aren't alone, and you should go back and listen to the first two episodes before diving into this one. Just go ahead, hover your finger over that subscribe button, tap it. You'll hear the point of this whole exercise, as well as some interviews with Christine Sismondo, dozens of bartenders, most of whom from Toronto. But this week, we're talking about one of the two most important ingredients in a Blackbird, Amaro Montenegro. In 2010, I was very fortunate to have been asked by an old friend and former manager of mine, Christina Kuypers, to fly to Vancouver from Toronto and work with her during the 2010 Winter Olympics. There were three main reasons that I was asked to do this gig. One, she didn't want to hire someone, have to train them, and then fire them a week after the Olympics. Two, I had lived in Vancouver previously, so I required little to no babysitting or handholding, just kind of given a key and said, yeah, go for it. And number three, I was a pretty decent bartender, and I didn't care much about missing Olympic events for work. This experience changed my life, changed my career anyway. During those three and a half weeks of work at the hotel in question, it became obvious that when people travel to Olympic cities, they don't really care about hanging out in their hotel bar. They want to go do Olympic stuff, go look at a flame or whatever. And this left me with about 20 shifts where myself and Western Canadian bar mentor extraordinaire Simon Ogden had little to do other than talk about spirits and cocktails. We had nights where he told me everything he could about dilution, vodka production, glassware, ice consistency. But the night that truly stuck in my mind was the night that we went through the 12 or 15 bitter Italian liqueurs on the back bar. The breadth of Italian liqueurs at the time wasn't huge, but there were solid representatives of Alpine, Sicilian, citrusy, floral, spicy, herbal mixtures. These had all been made in roughly the same way for more than 100 years by families that had dialed these recipes in and made them exactly the same each time. The stories of each of these Amari, all local at one point, and then their growth to the point where in 2010 I was sipping them all side by side in Vancouver, Canada, is enough to keep anybody interested. There were many standouts, but one Amaro that captured my heart at the time was Amaro Montenegro. In February 2020, I got to visit the distillery in Bologna, Italy, where Amaro Montenegro is made, and uh, man, the story's really something. Anyway, as we have established, Amaro Montenegro as an integral part of the Blackbird, but I wanted more of the story. So I got a chance to chat with spirits educator, author, bon vivant, just all around good dude, Tad Carducci, about the history of Amaro Montenegro and his thoughts on different uses for it behind a bar. He's the outreach director for Grupo Montenegro, so who better to chat with about the Blackbird? What's your name? My name is Tad Carducci. Tad Carducci, what's your title? Uh, my title with Grupo Montenegro is Director of Outreach and Engagement. Cool. And what all does yeah. that job entail? <laughs> uh, man, it's a lot of hats, uh, many hats uh, on any given day. Uh, generally, I mean, it's it's performing an ambassadorial in an ambassadorial capacity, plus, plus, plus. Uh, so I'm responsible for kind of creating and generating all of the educational content for uh, the brands within the portfolio, as well as uh, executing uh, educational events, training 
not only our team and our importer and distributor teams, but then also uh, bartenders, uh, hospitality staff, uh, members in general, and consumers. So it's a it's a lot of that. And uh, then I'm also responsible for uh, kind of ideating, creating, devising, and executing uh, most of our uh, events, trade trade events as well around uh, North Central and South America. So you cool. Know. So very safe to say that if uh, someone has a question about Amara Montenegro, you're the guy. Uh, yes, and really, when it when it comes down to the juice, uh, there would be one other person uh, whose name is Matteo Bonnelli, and he is our uh, master herbalist, and he's the one who's truly responsible for. All of, all of the liquid, every drop of the, the liquid around the world, he would be probably the only other person who's got more answers than I do. And I am very often uh, a thorn in his side, I can tell you, uh, <laughs> and have been for the last four and a half years when I say, but I just need to know about this. And you know, I, I either get I either get the answer or I or I get a you know, you know, what, what I've learned is Mateo speak for leave me alone and don't ask that. Right. So for four and a half years or so, you've been working in the Amaro space. What did you do before that? Well, for four and a half years, I've been working with Grupo Montenegro prior to that. Uh, I mean, I've been in the, I've been in the Amaro space in some way, shape or form for, uh, I, I would say well over a dozen years. I, um, I've been in the hospitality industry in some capacity or other for the better part of 36 years. Uh, started when I was in high school, the restaurant business, um, and then got into the bar business in my very early 20s as a bartender and did that for forever and ever and ever. And then was at different at various points in my career, Assam, uh, GM, director of operations, uh, pizza pizza maker, you know, kind of all over the place. Uh, and then I had a consulting company called Tipling Brothers for mm -hmm. uh, just over a decade. And we were some of the early guys in terms of the the consulting game, uh, working with restaurants and bars and cruise ships and brands and uh, de developing cocktail lists and wine lists and spirits lists and all of that. Also, designing and building bars and doing training programs. And uh, again, a lot of hats. Uh, we were kind of jacks of all trades, not necessarily masters of anyone in particular, but we did fairly well. And then that got me also into uh, uh, partnering. Uh, we opened a bar in uh, under Chelsea Market in Manhattan in 2011 mm -hmm. called The Tippler. And then we uh, were partners in uh, Mexican restaurants in uh, New York and Chicago Miami as well, and Las Vegas for a hot minute and a half or so. Uh, and then that's that kind of um, right around uh, the fall of 2018 is when I just decided it was time to see what it was like to have an actual job, real job working for a company. And that's when I went to work for uh, Mont uh, Grupo Montenegro, haven't looked back since, and it's been great. So you took all of this experience and through everything that you learned, you funneled all that into deciding to work with Grupo Montenegro. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's funny because uh, one of my colleagues at Grupo Montenegro uh, used to used to call on me 
uh, when I was running the tippler and used to come in very often. And, and, you know, I had a reputation as a mixologist and an author and things like that. And he kept saying, someday we're going to work together. We're going to figure it out. And I was, you know, I kept thinking to myself, I will, you know, I'll never work for a brand. Ha ha ha. Cute. Paid him lips, uh, lip service, but he kept coming back and coming back and coming back. Um, and lo and behold, uh, here I am. And, uh, and it's pretty, it's pretty cool. So other than this one friend coming and bugging you to come and work with Grupo Montenegro, what drew you to Amaro Montenegro specifically? Uh, it's funny. I, I mean, Montenegro is a brand that I had always known. I, I really, I feel like I knew it growing up. I certainly knew it um, in the 90s in New York City, going to um, places like Babo and Oto and, and restaurants in, in New York that carried Amari. It was always sort of one of the core brands that could be found going back to the nineties and even into kind of the, uh, up to 2004, 2006, uh, range. There were very few brands of Amaro that were on the market in the U S it was, you know, probably less than a dozen. And if you saw any of them on the back, on a back bar anywhere, it was always maybe the same four or so. Um, so it was something that I knew I had put into a lot of cocktail programs already um, because Montenegro offers the lighter end of the Amaro spectrum when it comes to, when it comes to aggressiveness and bitterness, um, obviously Montenegro is much more approachable and, and sort of user-friendly. Um, you know, if you, if you take the two ends of the spectrum, you can really put uh, Amaro Montenegro at one and say uh, Frenet Branca, something like that at the, uh, at the other. So it, it, it always provided um, a, a, a really fun uh, sort of lighter, easier way to get people into understanding what Amaro was, especially in a cocktail, um, than, than some other brands and some other cocktails or uh, things where, where one wanted more of the bitterness and the, and the really, really heavy herbaceousness and things like that. So, mm -hmm. uh, can you talk a little bit about the history of Amaro Montenegro? Yeah, I've for sure. heard, I've heard stories. I got to visit yeah. the distillery in February, 2020. Um, the, principal herbalist botanist who came up with this he was studying to be a priest and decided to ditch it all for science uh yes uh in a nutshell yeah it's actually a really uh really cool story so the 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 creator of amaro montenegro's name was stanislaw kobianki uh he was the son of uh, a merchant family in bologna bologna uh had always been uh historically a fairly wealthy city uh very culturally rich it's obviously the the home to so many of the italian foods that we know it's the home to the university of bologna which is the world's oldest uh continually operating university so it was a, a city of uh of scholarship in addition to um in in addition to being a culturally rich and and um uh and, and very beautiful city. So Stanislaw Kobianki, uh, by the time he uh, finished uh, secondary school, you know, basically what we would call high school, 
he actually finished early. Uh, really, I think uh, he he was either 14 or 15 from what I've been able to deduce. Uh, exceptionally bright kid, um, a self-taught student of alchemy, of botany and horticulture. Uh, so, you know, this, this sort of genius kid. Um, his parents had kind of ordained for him or, or um, a career in the clergy and uh, in the priesthood, because um, that was obviously something that was uh, very prestigious for the family. Um, but he, you know, basically told him to F off, if I can say that. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, told them that he wanted to carve his own path uh, and uh, jumped on a merchant ship and just took off uh, and spent about the next three years traveling around the world through, you know, through the Mediterranean, the Middle East to South Asia, Southeast Asia, uh, the Far East, and obviously expanding kind of his own cultural horizons. But along the way, journaling the the flavor profiles and the effects and things of different botanicals. And then when he came back, um, opened a steam distillery in Bologna. It was, I guess, it was fortuitous that his parents uh, had a little cash uh, and welcomed him back. And he uh, he opened a distillery and, and created what would become Amaro Montenegro. Um, but interesting, interestingly, for the first uh, 11 years of its life, it, it, it operated under a different name. Mont, um, Montenegro, the, let's say the Amaro was created in 1885. And until 1896, uh, it was actually called Elixir de Lunga Vita or the Elixir mm -hmm. of Long Life, um, which kind of, you know, uh, paid homage to the idea that anything within this category of aperitivo, digestivo, uh, came from primitive, let's, let's call them primitive medicinal roots back to uh, the ancient Roman Empire, ancient Greek uh, empires or empire, and then also uh, from far, uh, Asian cultures as well. Uh, the idea that uh, that botanical plants could be harnessed or could be preserved and have their uh, medicinal uh, effects uh, essentially preserved in alcohol. Uh, so the elixir of long life. And then in 1896, Italy was uniting for the first time as a country. Um, they were crowning their first king, and that was the crown prince of Naples uh, at the time. He was young and popular and uh, was going to be uh, become the first king, needed a queen, obviously. And uh, the bride that was chosen for him to become the, the first queen of unified Italy was the princess uh, Princess Elena of the country of Montenegro crossed the Adriatic Sea, a strong uh, strategic partner to Italy. Uh, she herself, from the research that I've done, was a larger than life uh, character. She was sort of akin to, I, you know, uh, maybe make a parallel to somebody like Princess Diana. Mm -hmm. um, tremendously popular, beloved by the people of her country known also throughout Italy. She was a scholar. She was a sports person. 
she she uh she knew how to bow hunt on a horse and you know things like that she just really exceptional uh, exceptionally interesting person but also very uh beloved so it was a it was a great match um and not uh not an unsavvy business decision to completely rebrand your product and name it after the home country of the incoming queen so that's what he did what a if you had told me that we were going to talk about uh political alliance marriages on this podcast about a dumb shot from toronto never would have seen it coming yeah um, oh, <laughs> we could we could go down so many rabbit holes man uh, uh cultural mashups um uh cutthroat cutthroat business practices through like it not not with montenegro directly but yeah, sure. within the, the spice route and the silk road and all of yeah, that yeah stuff, of course thousands of years of history that it took to get all those ingredients you know into this bottle that is iconically italian but yeah all right so present day yeah. What do you think? And you had mentioned before that you're pretty familiar with Amara Montenegro, 36 years in the business. What is it about Amara Montenegro that sets it apart from any other Amaro or Italian liqueur for you? Uh, I, I think still it's the idea that it's that Amaro Montenegro is a, a complex, um, very balanced and delicious Amaro. Um, and it can stand up against any other Amaro or Italian liqueur uh, in terms of what is the word I'm looking for? Holy crap. Um, so I, let's, it's, it's satisfying to mm -hmm. even the most dyed in the wool, let's say Amaro drinkers, but it's that little bit of sweetness right up front. When, when someone takes the Montenegro into their mouth, the first thing they get is this very warm kind of sweetness right at the tip of the tongue. And I don't care who you are. Um, you can tell me you don't like sweet. You can tell me you don't like sweet cocktails or sweet food or sweet anything. Everyone in the world is predisposed to like the 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 flavor sweet. It's comforting. It's warming. Um, I and I'm the same way. I I don't prefer sweet things, but it's that little bit of sweetness that grabs, um, and then it immediately goes away, and um, and all the 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 kind of you know, fairly assertive bitterness comes through and then all of the, the savory qualities and, and some orange and some spice and everything, um, come through, but it's really, to me, that little sweetness that makes it more approachable, that makes it kind of user-friendly. I would always hesitate to use, uh, the word entry level, mm -hmm. uh, because it's not at all, uh, but it is for sure a gateway Amaro. And Tad Carducci, how do you drink your Amaro Montenegro? Well, Josh, thank you for asking that question. Um, I drink a lot of it. I will tell you that much. Um, my my humors are in good stead and my digestive system is always on point. Um, I drink it at home um, as an M&M. &M. Uh, mm -hmm. M&M is, uh, for those that don't know, Montenegro and Mezcal. Um, traditionally it's a bar shot, but I drink mine, uh, on the rocks, equal parts with a, a big fat slice of orange. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, you know, maybe it's not that original, but that's, that's how I consume mine. Um, but I also just, I, I love it on just kind of session, uh, drinking, especially in the summertime in the evening, uh, just Montenegro, uh, with a little bit of ice. Um, that's an, you know, I think that's another kind of selling point. I love, 
can I mention other brands? Sure. Uh, is that okay? I love uh, I love many uh, Amari, but a brand like Braulio, let's say, mm-hmm. very alpine. Uh, I love it. It's delicious, but I'm not going to whack two ounces of it into a glass of ice and um, and drink it and then put and then maybe have another one. Uh, Montenegro is much more uh, sessionable, uh, much more kind of easy to drink on its own, really sort of as a, a pre-built, pre-bottled cocktail. Um, yeah. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah. 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 Uh, how do you feel about hacks like me taking Amaro Montenegro, this historically important, well-established, consistently made Amaro and adding other things to it? Oh, I love it. Uh, okay. Love have, it. Um, <laughs> have you ever had someone make you an Amaro Montenegro cocktail and thought, come on, man, you ruined it? No, uh, hell no. Um, I, I think the message that myself and my colleagues have been uh, trying to spread at least for the last uh half a decade on from my standpoint and and certainly before me is that there's nothing precious there shouldn't be anything precious about it there's heritage and there's history and there's authenticity and that's all there and we know it's there we know how it's meant to be drunk traditionally but cracking the doors or black you know uh throwing the doors wide open for creativity and and for people to um kind of dive in and understand what works, what doesn't with the flavor profiles. Uh, so we celebrate it for sure. Uh, I mean, our our signature cocktail uh, right now is the M M&M. and M, and that's what we are that that's what we are sort of uh, campaigning to um, to our our consumers now is that Montenegro and mezcal are like the chocolate and peanut butter in a Reese's peanut butter cup. Mm-hmm. And that they're the two great tastes that taste great together um, because they really do work. They complement one another and create something that's kind of uh, greater than the, the sum of the parts. Um, mm-hmm. But for my money, there is no better cocktail ingredient than Montenegro. Um, it Because of the balance of uh, bitter, sweet, citrus, spice, um, and, and then the herbaceousness uh, that, that, kind of hovers around the whole time it really can grab so many different elements of different spirits uh spirits whether it be rye or pisco or cachaca or gin or i mean there's so much to kind of latch onto and play with that you really can't f it up um and i have tried believe me i i have tried <laughs> to find um spirit combinations that do not work well with montenegro uh in some proportion or another and I have yet I, I have I have really isolated kind of one and I don't want to say what it is. Okay. We'll we'll not mention what it is, but have you ever heard of or tasted a blackbird? I know you've spent some oh, time yes. in Toronto. Yes, you know I about have. the blackbird. Oh, of course I do. So what goes into a blackbird? Uh Ryan Montenegro, correct? Or, is it or Ryan Bur- Montenegro? Oh no, no, of course it's Canadian Canadian whiskey in Montenegro. Is, no. Is it Canadian uh, whiskey in Montenegro? Um uh, now you're putting me on the spot. No, this is the crux of the entire podcast. I assure you, someone has given a more wrong answer than you have. Oh, okay. Is yeah. is it is it because of the the controversy, or is it an absolutely steadfast? This is what a blackbird is, and um, and well, I'm just screwing it up. 
Well, the basis of me doing this is that I have been served 28 different variations of what a blackbird is, but also I'm friends with old friends with the guy who created it. Okay. Uh, and I'm saving that for the uh, climax of this, but a blackbird is made by combining Got it. Got it. Black bird. Got it. Yeah. Makes, makes, <laughs> it was so obvious until it wasn't or vice versa. Uh, in a episode before this, I will have put most of the bartenders in Toronto on blast for not knowing this. So you're nice. good. Nice. Yeah. It's great. Not for, um, I'm from Jersey, man. I have no business knowing. Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> well, I've consumed them and I've enjoyed them. It really isn't that the point. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Tad, is there anything we should keep an eye out for as far as Amaro Montenegro, Grupo Montenegro is concerned? Any limited releases, cool bottlings, anything coming out that we should know about? Well, uh, we always had tricks up our, our sleeves. Um, while I am not necessarily at liberty to disclose some projects that we are working on, um, uh, meaning I would be summarily fired, Mm. uh for disclosing um there are some cool things uh, uh coming up for sure um maybe having to do with um some different formulations but also maybe um putting more efforts behind and attention to some things that we might have already talked about in some way shape or form but for the masses very cool uh if anyone wants to follow you social media wise how do they do that it's very easy. Uh, they can follow me at Tad Tipling, T-A-D-T-I-P-P-L-I-N-G. Uh, uh, and that's for Instagram. Um, and uh, I'm a dinosaur, so that's pretty much all I use. Oh, and TikTok as well. TikTok as well, even though I, you know, I, I check, I use TikTok once every three or four weeks. Sure. And as far as uh, Grupo Montenegro is concerned, how can people follow up? Same uh, for for Instagram and some of the other uh, platforms. Uh, Amaro Montenegro US. Uh, sorry, Amaro Montenegro underscore US. Uh, we also we also then have uh, Amaro Montenegro underscore IT uh, and WW for worldwide. The US is the coolest one, obviously. There you go. Tad, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about Amara Montenegro and uh, letting us know how you feel about combinations involving Amara Montenegro, uh, including, I, I including rye or bourbon or whatever. Yeah, listen, I love them and I love the blackboard, uh, Blackbird. I only wish, my only wish is, you know, that it had more Montenegro. Uh, it's so, it's, I, I'm like Christopher Walken, uh, you know, the only prescription is more Monty. Big thanks to Tad Carducci for spending some time talking about Amara Montenegro with me for this. I need to say a big thanks to Amara Montenegro via Mark Anthony Wines and Spirits here in Canada and Wild Turkey via Grupo Campari here in Canada for supporting this project. Next episode, I talk with the third Russell you might know from Wild Turkey. His granddad, Jimmy, and then his dad, Eddie, have both been with the company for decades. Bruce Russell and I talk about the storied history of Wild Turkey and what he thinks about adding Wild Turkey to... Well, anything. In the meantime, go ahead and follow Bartender Atlas on Instagram at Bartender Atlas. And while you're there, check in on Amara Montenegro and Wild Turkey as well. I'm Josh Lindley, and this has been Blackbird. <laughs>